share with you about uh, the way wherein life manifests in our lives as we keep our eyes upon Jesus. You know, many times we say, well, keep your eyes upon Jesus, and the way we want to keep our eyes upon Jesus is by trying to focus on how God is going to solve my problem today and saying, well, I just believe Jesus is going to sort this thing out. Now, when you keep your eyes upon Jesus and you do that, um, you know, I, I don't say it's a sin or it is absolutely wrong, but that is not what the Bible talks about uh, to keep your eyes upon Jesus who is your life according to Colossians. Uh, that is basically keeping your eyes on your problem and looking at how Jesus is going to sort it out. Let me say it again. Many times we want to keep our eyes upon Jesus and the way we keep our eyes upon Jesus is by looking at uh, um, how Jesus is going to sort out our problems. In other words, you've got a financial problem and you're saying, well, I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus. Jesus is going to sort this out. Jesus is going to sort this out. And in doing that, you're actually keeping your eyes on the problem, waiting for the Lord to sort out your problem. The, um, when the Bible talks about keeping your eyes upon Jesus, you know, who is the author and the finisher of your faith, it had nothing to do with dealing with everyday problems and how Jesus will sort out everyday problems, although its effect was felt and strongly experienced in the here and now. And that's what I'm going to talk about. As an introduction, I want to say this to you as well, just so that those of you that watch for the first time and even those that are in our web fellowship regularly, um, our members of this web, uh, web church, I want to say this to you. The vision that I have here is not to see how a big ministry I can build over, um, all over the world. That is not the vision. If it comes to big ministry, uh, the biggest ministry I have is my family. That is it. That's how big it is, and that is big enough for me. Uh, I don't uh, want anything bigger than that. The reason why we do what we do, the reason why we minister this way, the reason why we make our things available live all over the world, put our messages up regularly on almost a daily basis, why we put up posts on Facebook, why we've got so many different Facebook pages, um, uh, different platforms, going onto TV stations and all those kind of things is simply this. This message belongs to people. It is a truth about others. And we just want them to hear that. That is the only thing. That's the only vision. No form and no measure of success can ever be ministered by how many people you reach. The Apostle Paul had that problem. The, he, he, there was a time when he thought, well, if many people can just believe my gospel, things will be a much better place. And all of a sudden, you know, a guy came who was called the messenger of Satan and just destroyed the work of the Apostle Paul by bringing Judaism in and uh, 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 literally destroying the church. And he complained to God and he said to God, God, he complained three times. He says, can you please take this guy away? You know, because if he can be out of the way, you know, uh, we can be exalted above measure. In other words, this message can flood the earth and we can have churches everywhere. That's what Paul was, what Paul was actually saying. And then God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, if you can keep your eyes upon me, in other words, if you can see what I've done for you, you will not need these big things and these many things to happen to have such great joy. So our joy is not in what happens in this life. Our joy is 
something that's inside us without reason, uh, without earthly reason, let me put it that way. There is a reason, but not earthly reason. And uh, it might sound very spiritual and spooky, but I want to tell you, there's a truth in this, and as you tap into this, you're really set free. And you're experiencing the life that God has intended for you, which is effortless and worry-free by the doing of God. Glory to God. Now, uh, there's two basic concepts, or or there's there's two major um, points around which life pivots. One is the law, and one is grace, or Christ. And the law is just man's effort to try and attain unto eternal life. That is all it is. And grace or Christ is the point or the reasoning or the belief that says God granted you that life for free. Now Paul made one of the greatest discoveries and jotted that down in Romans 7. You will hear I speak about Romans 7 many times. If you're here for the first time, I want to tell you one of the, the most important passages to understand what the whole gospel is all about. To, to understand what a victorious life is all about and why Jesus came is Romans chapter 7, which is one of, obviously, uh, the, the chapters in the Bible which most theologians differ from. But this is my view on Romans 7, and I believe this is the truth. Romans 7, in Romans 7, Paul comes and he explains that the law, or doing good, seemed to be away unto life. And he said that in the thundering voice um, of Deuteronomy 28 seemingly contradicting him. Because Deuteronomy, 28, uh, Deuteronomy 18 says clearly and other places in the, in the Old Testament says that if you obey the law you will have life. You will have life. The people in the Old Testament were not seeking to go to heaven. We need to understand that. They were seeking how would they have immortality or eternal life. That is what they were seeking. They were seeking eternal life. And they believed that through the law would be eternal life. The law was the Ten Commandments as well as different other laws, which was laws about how you need to eat and those, you know, how you need to keep your house and everything. Uh, like, for instance, you're not allowed to have a toilet inside your house. Why? Because you would get sickness. Because those people didn't have toilets the way we ha- that we have today. It was on the outside. And, um, and in that whole system, you know, it kept them alive and they were healthier than some of the other nations. So to them, they thought they had the best set of rules that if they can just keep them, you will reach you will have eternal life or a very long life or you'll be part in some form or some way, you'll be part of the resurrection um, and that by keeping the law, you can even have your body resurrected, that, even if you died. That's the kind of thing they believed by the, by the law. They believed by the law that will take place. And then Paul came to this conclusion and he contradicted that. He basically said, that's a lie. Because I found another law. That whenever I want to do good, evil is with me. He says, with the inner man, I want to obey the law. But the more I try to obey the law, 
the more I find that death is with me. And then he says, who shall save me from this body of death? And this is what he realized. He called it the flesh. He called it being in the flesh. So what Paul said is, when I in my flesh, because I'm a Jew, and through being a Jew, I've got access to the law, and then I want to be sub- submit my, myself to these ro- lo- ro- laws, rules, and regulations, and then obey them, he calls that being in the flesh. He says, I found that in this flesh, when I engage the flesh, I find nothing good. There's just nothing good in me. There's nothing good coming forth in me, and I find that I'm dying. So what he's saying is, he says, the moment you engage the flesh, the moment you engage willpower to obey a law, you die. And sin manifests in you, and the wages of sin is death, leading you unto death. So there's a death that manifests sins unto dying a death unto ultimate destruction. That is what Paul was was saying in Romans 7. But he also came and he said that there's someone that can deliver me from this body of death. In other words, there's somebody that can make it possible for me to have eternal life or immortality in my flesh without me engaging the flesh. The best example I can use to explain this is um, drug abuse. Or drugs. If you go and you take uh, cocaine, for instance. Now, you know there are maybe some of you that uh, that will know what this is. I have never experienced this. I've spoken to some friends that's used this, uh, but I think it would be like basically anything, anything, even alcohol, whatever, it puts you on some trip or, or or high. But what it is is this: cocaine. If you take it or any drug, what it does is. It releases certain things in your body that is already there. It releases it and gives you a high where you feel very happy, where, you, where your brain is very active and you feel very intelligent and things seem so okay when you're on that high. It actually gives you life. It makes you experience life. But after a while, since it is tapping, what, what, what a drug does is it taps out of a limited source, which is your body, which is all the different uh, chemicals in your body. It taps from that and brings forth certain chemical uh, uh, balances and stuff or even imbalances that causes you to feel very, very good. But since it is tapping from a limited source, which is your flesh, your body, and not a truth, <laughs> the moment that the, it cannot be there forever, because this is limited. So you'll go off that and you'll hit a low. And as you hit this low, you know, you take some time and you eat food and you, uh, if you can eat healthy and those kind of things, it will help a lot in getting your body to a place where you can have the next high. But at the end of the day, what it does, if you take drugs in its, in its, uh, in its full course, you say, it's killing you. It's destroying you. Why? Because it engages and 
it engages your flesh to produce life for you. That is what it does. And since your body is not immortal and dying, in other words, you are dust, you, you only have the ability of dust in your human body, it means you're from dust, even if you give it life, even if, it, if you take dust and you give it life, unless that dust taps into something that can keep on giving it life, it will just return to dust, be it uh, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, 120 years, whatever, it will return to dust. So, if you take something that is not eternal and you draw life from that, what happens is you're shortening this life. That, that's what you're doing. You're shortening this life and you're engaging something that cannot work. So, if I say to you, if you, if you take an ex-drug addict, you will, he will say to you, there was, a, there was a way that seemed unto life unto me. But the end was death, and that was cocaine. If it was coke or heroin or whatever, I don't know all these, these stuff, but that, that's it. It will be, it, it leads unto death. It destroys you. It, it, you go onto a high and a low, and a high and a low. But the overall thing is, the average is not going higher, but it's going lower, and eventually your life is destroyed. Now, the very same thing happens with the law. The law is just, the, trying to be saved by the law is like being on drugs. It is, it is, it is a destroyer. And the way it destroys is very, very clever. And we, I tell you, you can write the book. I was sitting in the kitchen just before this uh, 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 webcast. I was thinking, the, the complex way wherein this law cleverly manifests death in man. You can write books about that for time and eternity, I tell you, on how complex it is and how it works. So for me to try and explain all these things to you will be so difficult in trying to explain how the law works. The only thing I can say is, after taking everything into consideration, this is what it is, it destroys you. It kills you. So, if a person's life is being destroyed, and we don't talk, we're not talking spiritually here, we're just talking in norm, no, normal life, not trying to get eternal life or anything, but just giving somebody a better life. If a person that's hooked on drugs um, wants to, if you want to save his life, what do you want to do? You want to get him off what kills him. You want to get him off the drug. Uh, how do you get him off the drug? The way people do it is you go to a rehab and in the rehab they will give you, um, they, they will give you some shots and stuff that can help you to, to, to manage the withdrawal from certain drugs because certain drugs you can't just go off, you can die. Um, they, they will give you certain things. I remember we helped some kids way back and we got them some, some medicine and they could use that medicine to help with the withdrawal and got, got uh, two of those kids, three, off, the, uh, off heroin uh, and one remained off, the other two went back. But what we do is you, you can take them off, but the only way where you can actually solve their problem is if you can provide them the joy that this drug gives freely. That's all. That would be the easiest way to get people off drugs. If you can tell them like, here's a high and you can stay on the high, you know, and it's for free. 
if, if that would get them off it like that, it will not, there will not be a withdrawal, it will not be difficult, it would be very easy. Now, there is not a drug like that on the earth, normal drug like that, you know. So, when we look at even addiction to the law, law addiction, the problem with the law is it gives you a temporal high. It fixes you up. I, I, I look at some of my friends. <laughs> I mean, I look at myself. You know, there's times when you decide, you just decide, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read Bible now, man. I, I'm studying, glory to God. I'm into praying for the sick now, glory to God. You know, I, we, we are the healed and by the stripes of Jesus. And you go out and you pray for three, four people. And while you do that, you've got that nice high. <laughs> just to hit the low. And it's a high and a low, and a high and a low, and a high and a low. And later on you find, and this is amazing to me, and I, I don't want to expose people, but I'm, I will never name names, but it's amazing to me to see how many preachers are addicted to alcohol. You know, those, those guys are thirsty, man. They're addicted to alcohol and tobacco. I'm not saying that you cannot smoke. I'm not saying that you cannot drink. I'm not. Those of you that know me, know me well. I'm not, a, 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 I mean, I've got wine in my own house. So I'm not, I'm not against drinking wine or anything. But what I'm saying is, is the moment the wine gives you a high, <laughs> um, you know, you, you're getting into trouble. And now, and please don't hear people say, oh, Bertie is now becoming self-righteous or some things like that. No, I'm not. What I'm saying is, is the law gives you a high and a low, and a high and a low, and a high and a low. And in, as you walk in the law, you find through that high and low thing that you're actually going down slowly. And after a while, you don't know how to get out of your low. And you start to use anything to give you a high. And that is not the life that God has for you. And if that is your life, I'm not condemning you. I'm here to provide an answer. Something that's helped for me. Something that has, has blessed me. Something that's given me a kick that doesn't, that, that's not removed. And that is keeping your eyes upon Jesus. Now, the only thing that can get you out of the high-low, 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 where you use something that is not eternal, but temporal, to try and gain eternal joy. The only way you can get out of that is if, if you can see what you chase after is provided for free eternally and that it works. If you can see that and be convinced of that, you will get out of all of those things and be completely set free. I've seen it in my own life. You know, I've, I've seen it in my own life. You know, there are so many things we can be addicted to because of that high-low thing where you just feel things doesn't work. And even in my own life, in the grace message, it wasn't as if I got into the grace message in day one, and from day one, lived by the grace message and the grace message only, having all kinds of fruit of righteousness in my life, and just had it all together. It wasn't like that. The way it happened was, I first heard God loves me, and then after I heard that God loves me, 
I got to a place where I, where I discovered and studied the love of God. I studied the love of God. I, and then I started to see what the fulfillment of the law is. And then I understood certain things of the fulfillment of the law. I, I still made a series, I think a 12-part series on the fulfillment of the law, which is great to watch. And, and then after that, I started to realize, uh, you know, more about our inclusion in Christ. And in the meantime, from that time of the film of the law, God was speaking to me about immortality, the immortal human body. And I can say in the last three years, he started to take things together and put things together for me where I understand the love of God in the light of the fulfillment of the law and an immortal body. Wherein I started to understand that eternal life is a gift. Eternal life is a gift. It is not inherent. It is a gift. Oh my goodness, one day I'll just preach it out straight, um, you know, what I believe about that. I just feel that we, we, we it's like the Apostle Paul says, you, there are certain things that, you're not, that, that people cannot hear and, and, and a foundation need to, need to be placed. And I'm busy laying that foundation. There'll come a day when I will just share this thing, you know, uh, just straight out that you guys can take it and experience the power of it. Right. Eternal life is a gift. It's not inherent. Um, the immortal body and why there had to be a physical resurrection from the grave and a physical raising from the grave where my dust will get back to a physical body. When I started to see all those things, you know what I found in this grace walk? I started to find that I can be happy without earthly reason. I find that I can have, have, have a peace without earthly reason. It is as if, we've, as, as if a power is starting to kick in that, is above the bliss of 10,000 views on Facebook. That is above the, the, the temporal kick of a, a, a growing church or something like that, which is above all of those things, which is just supernatural. <laughs> that is what it is. It is God. It is what the Apostle Paul spoke about. Glory to God. It is a place where you can have joy in the middle of your nakedness, awaiting to be clothed with immortality. Now, let me just recap this in, in the first part, and then I'm going to uh, go to the second part and what it means to look upon Jesus. As preachers, I, I, let's, let me talk about a preacher, and I, I'm sure many of you can, the Holy Spirit can take an example and put in your life so that you can know what I'm talking about. As a preacher, you know, we would live, I would live, from the temporal a fix of a healing, the temporal fix of a phone call with a prophetic word, the temporal fix of a, a full church on a Sunday, uh, the temporal fix of good attendance. Man, that is a big thing in church. The fix of financial support. And it coming very super, the more supernatural it comes, the more you know you are in the will of God and, you know, those kind of things. And what that would do is, I would just, it would never end. You know, the fix had to be bigger, stronger. We have to have more people now. We need to reach more. We need to be, uh, we, 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 ha we have to have more people say amen to us. We need to have greater miracles. I remember especially the time when I was, was preaching in, in Zambia, Mozambique, those kind of things with the open air gospel outreaches. Oh my God, the fix of seeing people being healed. In the meantime, I mean, that was just tremendous. And 
yes, what would happen is I would take scriptures with healing scriptures and those kind of things, quote them, and create a fix by the law. I was creating my own life. Why? Because I was looking at what I think have to manifest today. I was looking at Bible scriptures, including what Christ has done, and tried to fix my life with those things. And I did not keep my eyes upon Jesus. I kept my eyes on my situation and tried to apply scripture to fix my situation. And what happened was, it, you get to a place where it is just getting too much. It tires you out. It tires you out. And as you see the love of God and the goodness of God, you can see something much different. Now, much different that gives, actually gives life and peace, where you can find abundance of fruit. Listen, I'm not talking about you're not going to win souls. I'm not talking about we're not going to preach the gospel and those kind of things. Now, I tell you, the gospel will be preached and the gospel will be powerfully preached in the earth. Glory to God. Amen. Righteousness is going forth in the earth. And thousands and millions of people will hear these views and these webcasts and these kind of things. I know that's going to take place. That's, but you know what? I don't even care if it takes place. doesn't matter. It's not what I'm after. We're not after many people hearing this. We're just living life. We're just living life. That, that is what it's all about. And we've got a love for people that is true in our heart and we're sharing that. Now, keeping your eyes upon Jesus. Let me read those passages. I hope you have painted a good picture in your mind as well as in the emotion of your heart about this. It says here, um, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he, that is the, for he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Okay, so... God knows that the only thing that can save your life is if you stop to, if you stop to drink the Kool-Aid, if you stop to use the heroin, if you stop to use the cocaine, if you stop to use the strongest drug, the law. If you stop to use that drug that gives you a temporal high whose glory is fading. If he can get you to stop to use that, then you will not die anymore, but you will live. That's what he said to Adam and Eve. He said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for if you eat of it, you will die. You will die. And what did they look? They looked at the tree. They saw it's desirable to make one wise. I mean, they felt the high of that thing, man. This thing can provide for me. This thing, it's like, I remember some of my old friends trying to reason with them, on, um, you know, not using cocaine. I, I mean, that guy's so clever. <laughs> you know how many lawyers use this just before they go into the courtroom because it sharpens the, Yeah, we can see by some lawyers reasoning why that they use that. Um, the, the, the thing about it is, if they can stop to use that, they will not die anymore. The day you eat thereof, you will surely die. You will definitely die. That, that is what it says. So, God wants us to stop to use the law. He wants us to stop to use the law. And how can He get you to stop to use the law? Very simply, and I said it last Sunday, to freely give you what it promises so that you would see no need to use it. 
And he has, to, he has to give it, not just as a promise, saying, well, I promise you, you will have eternal life. No, no, no. Eternal life will have to be there and proven and be true and real for man so that man can believe this. And in this belief, he will rest from this work. Okay. That is how it takes place. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God, for he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall off the same example of unbelief. So what he's saying is, the moment you enter into the rest, you will stop working. That's why the Bible says in Romans 10 verse 5 that, uh, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes upon Him. Okay? So, what it means is, the moment you believe in Christ, if the moment you truly believe in Christ, you will stop all works of the law. You will immediately, the moment you truly believe what Christ has done, you will stop working any principle unto any blessing. You'll stop that. It, it, let me put it this way, the moment you believe that truth, the power of that truth will stop you and you will rest from your work. Now, if death is in those works, like in cocaine, if death is in those, in using of cocaine, the moment, if, 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 if uh, irresponsible living, motor car accidents, um, sexual immorality, whatever is in the use of cocaine, the moment the promise can be given to you and you can believe that. And you stop the use of this thing. You, you will stop the use. You will rest from using that cocaine. You will rest from it. And you will then co-rest from whatever that brings. You will rest from your sins. Now, l- listen, it, I'm using cocaine as an example. I'm not bashing people using cocaine. If you use, just, just for people that are on drugs, I will tell you, you are deeply loved by God. He smiles over your life. He has, you've, you've been what He's dreamt. You are so pleasing to Him that He wants to live inside you. He cares for you just the way you are. He's not saying that you need to change anything in order for Him to live in you, dwell in you, and, and be there for you. He, you are His beloved. He smiles over your life. His kindness is towards you. He's given you His kingdom. He, He's dreamt you. It's because of you and the, your beauty that He endured the cross to save you from what destroys you. You are His everything and he, was, he believed so much in you that He became a man. You become what you believe and God believed so much in you that He became you and took you upon Him. Conquered your death, conquered your sin because He wants you to live eternally. He never wants you to die. He wants you to be with Him. He cannot face your death. It's too much for Him. He wants you. Just that you know, if you're on cocaine or drugs or alcohol abuse or anything like that, that is God's word for you. Okay, that, that is what it is. So let that be settled. I'm not, ag- I'm not against people committing sins. I'm here to produce, or not produce, to bring the life of God that it can produce its life in you. Now, the only way to get you out of that power of sin is, is He needs to give you that promise. And the moment that promise is believed, it's true. First it needs to be true. And then if it's believed, 
you find that you will rest from your work and the moment you rest from that work, you also rest from sin. I want to put it this way. If you still believe in tithing in any form or fashion, you have not believed the finished work of Jesus. You're not resting. You haven't entered His rest in that area of your life. You might have entered in other areas, but in that area you have not entered. If you're still believing in sowing and reaping, my friend, let me read the scripture for you. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works. If you've entered into the rest, the sign that you've entered into the rest is you've stopped your works. You've stopped your works. Now, I want to add something in here, church, because I want to help you with what the Lord has helped me with. Lawlessness is not the answer. Lawlessness means I get rid of the law. Now, if you just get rid of the law, saying, well, I'm not obeying the law, that means you're lawless. And lawlessness cannot produce the life of God. Abandoning the law cannot save you. Put it this way, through the law is the knowledge of sin. But getting rid of the law without a fulfilled promise that you can behold is called lawlessness and it produces the very same death because you're not free from the law. You're still living by your own power. It's like the hippie movement in the 60s. The only thing it can produce is drug abuse, sexual immorality and uh, illogic reasoning in universities and those kind of things. It's like what we've had, in, what we're having in South Africa now. You know, they've, they've, um, they want to pass a law that says that the moment you say that gays can be saved or a gay person can change or God can deliver you from being gay, that would be hate speech. And that the preacher, that preacher should be put in jail. That is what that law can, can, can bring. So obviously that law is not going to pass. You know, the Christian people picked up that they want to, they, they, uh, they brought it, it's going to be changed. What, is, what does lawlessness bring? There are people that have not believed in the new life in Jesus Christ. They just want to be without the law. They're against the church or against any law or they're in hurt of what people have done that was ignor- in their ignorance hurt homosexuals. And now they're in their lawlessness want to pass crazy laws like that. Like the other law that they've got now in one of the universities is, uh, there was a, 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 a hostel there, a, a place where the, the students live, I don't know what you call it in English, um, which was called the Ladies of Lydia. Now there's a law, you can't say the Ladies of Lydia because that breaks the law for trans, transgender something. Do you see what lawlessness brings without a revelation of the brand new man? It, brings, it breeds stupidity. That is what it does. So, when we look at, at what Christ has done here, he, there needs to be a place. When you enter into the rest, it is not when you decide I'm against the law. When you enter into the rest, you have to enter into it the way that brings rest, which is what God has done for us. Now, this, this is it. It says, um, let me read uh, Colossians 2 verse 19. It says, 
and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increase with the increase of God. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as living in the world are you subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using, or actually some translation says, which can only bring death. After the commandments and doctrines of men, which things indeed have a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and in neglect of the body and not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. So what it says here is that the law can never satisfy your flesh with eternal life. They will always, you always need a fix. You know, with neglect of the body and another sacrifice you will have to make. That is what it says here. And it says the reason why you're under that is because you're not holding to the head. Your eyes are not turned upon Jesus. And we're going to look at what that means. It says here, if you then being risen with Christ, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God, set your affection on the things above. It says there that word affection, I, I didn't bring the, my phone here, I want to read it to you, but it means set your understanding on the things that's above, not the things of the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. On this account, or in this way, mortify your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience or of unbelief. Now, what he's saying there is, if you read Colossians 2, he says, the moment, he says the reason, Colossians 2.19, it says they are not holding to the head from which the body joint marrow is having nourishment. So he says, you are not holding to Jesus. That's why you're going back to the law. You're not holding to Jesus because if you held to Jesus, you would have found no need for any law. If you held to Jesus, you wouldn't have had to have a, a prayer fix or a worship fix, or a gold dust fix. You wouldn't need that. I'm not saying it cannot happen, but it will, you will not need that fix. He says, and the reason why you're under all these laws now, and all these regulations, and all those kind of things that you want to do, and in normal church terms, it would be the reason why you now want to grow that church so big, the reason why you want to wear those golden rings. Listen, and one of the funniest things to me is to look at preacher's jewelry. You find no person in the earth wear jewelry like that. It is, I think it must be categorized as preacher's jewelry or preacher's suits. That's funny. It, it, it is weird. I'm honest, it is, it is weird. It is, um, you, you can see this guy needs a fix. And, 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 he, and he's put it on. It, it sounds very judgmental, but let us just say the thing as it is. We all see it, but we're just too scared to say it. 
That is what it is. And we are not here to settle for things like that. We, we want the quality that God has promised. And this is what Paul is talking about. He, wasn't ta- he was talking about why do you want to have your life? I mean, Paul also wanted that fix. And Jesus corrected him. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. You look at the head from where all nourishment flows. He says, and what is the head that we look at? You know what they started to forget? They started to forget that there's an immortal man at the right hand of God that has conquered death. That's what they forgot. Because if they can remember that, if they can think that, if they can see that again, there will be no need for a fix because out of that revelation of a man who has, as me, conquered all my death, that's seated at the right hand of the Father, and that fullness that dwells in the Godhead bodily is my life. As you see that it is your life, and it becomes the truth that it is your life. You'll find no reason for anything in this earth to go into your favor in order for you to say, look how blessed I am. <laughs> Glory to God. You know, um, I'm contacting some TV stations in the United States, you know, to preach there, to share this word. And you know what's the wonderful thing? If I contact, I remember years ago, this is how it would work. I would contact this TV station. If, he call, if I call and they pick up right away and I can quickly speak to the right guy and they said, you know, we've just waited for a person like you, then I would, I would say, wow, you know, it, it, it would be a fix. It would be a fix to me. You know, I would say, well, I'm in the will of God. And I now, you know, if it happens that way, I just say, thank God for the way in which he provided here. But it is no fix anymore. It, Jesus is my fix. And it is an immortal body that has conquered all sin and all death. And I look at my perfection. And as I look at that perfection, I need no law fix anymore. And as I need no law fix anymore, which doesn't just come in Ten Commandments, but in any of those blessings of Deuteronomy 28 or whatever comes into the human mind that the devil can tempt you with, as you don't need those things anymore, you know what happens? You are resting from whatever you had to do in the flesh, in ministry, or in whatever you do. And you know what you're also resting from? The side effects of what works righteousness brings, which is mentioned. You are starting to rest from fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness which is idolatry. For the weak's sake, the wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience. Man, now one day, well, I have spoken about that in my message about the wrath of God. So what I want to say to you, the way you keep your eyes upon Jesus is like this. It's not thinking, how's Jesus going to help me to get a fix? That is how, how we've kept our eyes upon Jesus, you know. In ministry, I'm just using ministry because that's, that's the area that I'm in. In business it would be, well, I've built another house. The crop this year was so good. I, 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 could, I could get my crop off the field in less days than the farmer next to me. They are the craziest things people do. Not because they are crazy. I look at my own life. 
There was the craziest things I did. I remember that when I had to do 186 miles an hour on a motorbike. And, you know, I knew that by my, it was not in ministry anymore, but it, it wasn't that. I had to do a street drag race just to feel, that's it. You know, I just like, I'm faster than that guy. And if, and if he was faster than me, I was kind of established in grace that it didn't mean anything. The kick was just to be faster than him. It was so nice for me to take that motorbike that's so fast, go up to the latest Lamborghini or Ferrari or supercar and just, let's go, let's race. And then, after a while, I will just point to him and say, when are you starting to go now? You know, let's go. You know, that would just give me that kick of I am something, you know, of life. And then after that, I would come back, you know, and you would, you would find the, you, you, you would put yourself in such a dangerous position where you can kill yourself. It's crazy. You know, it, it is just crazy what the law will bring forth in people with, with I mean, that, that, that are the most intelligent, clever people. They would do things that makes no sense to themselves or anybody. It's because it's a power unto death. It's a power unto death. And the only way you can rest from that work is by beholding your perfection. Where the Bible says, let your conversation, your citizenship, your reality, your communication, um, what, he, what he says here, uh, 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 your very life, your nourishment, the body, where you say, my physical body is granted immortality. Now you would say, why is the immortality thing so big? You know what? It's because as what the end of all what ifs is death, the end of all blessing is eternal life. And let me explain that to you. If somebody comes to me and says to me, Bertie, what, what if you drive today and you make an accident? Then I would say, and, and you, you what, this one, what if you get cancer? Well, then I'll go to the doctor and I believe the Lord will help me. You know, I'll first pray. What will, what will happen if the Lord doesn't heal you? Well, I'm going to go to the doctor. And what if that doesn't happen? You know, well, then I'm going to suffer. Okay, and then, and then I'm going to die. <laughs> and then what about your wife and kids? What's the worst? Of, well, my wife will maybe get a good husband. And my kids will understand this. And the Lord, what if the Lord doesn't help them? Well, then my wife is going to suffer. And what if your wife runs out of money? Well, then she, the, the end is, well, my wife's going to die. And my kids going to die. And I'm going to die. But you know what? Jesus was raised from the dead and he conquered my death. So as what all the what-ifs eventually end in death and that is the fear in my man's heart, what if I die? Jesus had to bring an answer in death so that we can have the emotion and the peace that the what-ifs loses, it vo loses its voice. Amen. In the same way, when it comes to blessing, why do you want a better house, a better car, better food, look better. At the end of the day, you know what you seek. If you take the whole thing, you're seeking immortality. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for physical human immortality. That's what you're looking for. Many people don't know what that's what they're looking for, but that's what you're actually looking for. That's why if you can see a man that has conquered death... <laughs> 
and has been made immortal. Man, I can hear some people shouting in their houses. Uh, uh, and, and they can be made, Im- and you can see an immortal man that's conquered your death and that that life is your life. The moment you see that truth, you know what takes place? You rest from all your works and you rest from sin. And you're stung by life. And you find love, joy, peace. And that which you always, the good man that you've always been in your heart, even as an unbeliever, the good man that's in you, the good that you always wanted to do, all of a sudden you find that God from the head, the immortal, nourishes you with the fruit of the Spirit in this life. And He conquers your sin, not just as a legalistic thing, but as a here and now truth. And He conquers in the end, the last enemy, even physical death, where you will live immortal in a human body. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, glory. This is the gospel, man. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. I want you to go and listen to this message as many times as possible. I want to draw upon the voice of, uh, uh, of life inside your heart. And I want to say, please share this with as many people as possible. And let's get this gospel of good news uh, spread to people that need this. Since they are, they, the life they have and who they are is, is, is the place where God lives. They are just as much valuable as ours. And let's share it. And above all, before you share anything, enjoy it. Enjoy this life. Glory to God. I want to thank you so much for watching our webcast today. It was just a message that has blessed me so much. Thank you, Jesus, for the victory. Father, I want to thank you for your grace and your mercy. I want to thank you for the love that you have towards us. I declare people that are watching here healed in the name of Jesus. Their bodies are healed. Cancer is healed. Um, Different kinds of sickness is healed. Wisdom comes to them in every area of their life as they see the light of your glory. Just by this glory that is in me and through my body, I just bring healing to people right now. Healing of uh, uh, headache problems, back problems, sickness, children being healed from just normal things. I declare healing for them in the name of Jesus. The supernatural signs, wonders and miracles pointing to our immortality shows in their bodies right now in Jesus. Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for watching. See you in the week with our short messages that we bring on a regular basis. God bless.